Good morning, everyone. Welcome. Good morning. Please turn to number 352, and we'll start our worship with He Hideth My Soul. What a Savior. And now for our call to worship. The reading is from Psalm 97. The Lord is king. Let the earth be glad. Let coasts and islands all rejoice. Cloud and mist enfold him. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. 
Fire goes before him and burns up his enemies all around. The world is lit up beneath his lightning flash. The earth sees it and rides in pain. The mountains melt like wax as the Lord approaches, the Lord of all the earth. The heavens proclaim his righteousness, and all peoples see his glory. Let all who worship images, who vaunt their idols, be put to shame. Bow down, all gods, before him. Zion heard and rejoiced. The cities of Judah were glad at the judgments, O Lord. For thou, Lord, art most high over all the earth and exalted far above all gods. The Lord loves those who hate evil. He keeps his loyal servants safe and rescues them from the wicked. A harvest of light is sown for the righteous and joy for all good men. You that are righteous, rejoice in the Lord and praise his holy name. Amen. That's, that's one of five consecutive uh, royalty psalms about uh, actually Jesus King Messiah. And notice how it closed on a note of joy and rejoicing. So uh, as we look forward to the second coming, let's sing number 194, Joy to the World, the Lord Has Come. seated and uh, let us pray. Oh, three in one God, we have come here together this morning to worship you in, in person and in the presence of the Holy Spirit. We ask that your spirit would just fill this place, fill each and every one of us, fill us with joy and appreciation for the love that you showed in your son Jesus who became one of us and came to earth to die that we could be reconciled to you and cleansed of our sins according to your great grace and mercy and love and compassion. So charge us up as we are here in your presence. Let everything in us focus on you. Block out all distractions. And may we leave here changed and just full of the love and joy and peace of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.
And now, uh, if you will take your bulletin inserts, let us pray together this prayer of uh, confession. Almighty and most merciful Father, we have erred and strayed from thy ways like lost sheep. We have followed too much the devices and desires of our own hearts. We have offended against thy holy laws. We have left undone those things which we ought to have done. And we have done those things which we ought not to have done. But thou, O Lord, have mercy upon us. Spare thou those, O God, who confess their faults. Restore thou those who are penitent according to thy promises declared unto mankind in Christ Jesus our Lord. And grant, O most merciful Father, for his sake, that we may hereafter live a godly, righteous, and sober life to the glory of thy holy name. Amen. And let us just take assurance from what the Apostle John wrote towards the end of his life and many years of serving his Lord Jesus Christ, that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What a twofold, wonderful promise. Amen. And now um, let's just continue worshiping the Lord in joy, singing, first of all, the chorus, 561, the trees of the field, and then getting a little classical, number 13, joyful, joyful, we adore thee.
Be seated for the reading of God's word this morning. This is Isaiah 55, 1 through 13. Come, all who are thirsty, come, fetch water. Come, you who have no food, buy corn and eat. Come and buy, not for money, not for price. Why spend money and get what is not bread? Why give the price of your labor and go unsatisfied? Only listen to me, and you will have good food to eat, and you will enjoy the fat of the land. Come to me and listen to my words. Hear me, and you shall have life. I will make a covenant with you this time forever to love you faithfully as I love David. I made him a witness to all races, a prince and instructor of peoples, and you in turn shall summon nations who you do not know, and nations that do not know you shall come running to you because the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, has glorified you. Inquire of the Lord while he is present. Call upon him when he is close at hand. Let the wicked abandon their ways and evil men their thoughts. Let them return to the Lord who will have pity on them. Return to our God, for he will freely forgive. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, and your ways are not my ways. This is the very word of the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways in my thoughts than your thoughts. And as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return until they have watered the earth, making it blossom and bear fruit and give seed for sowing and bread to eat, so shall the word which comes from my mouth prevail. It shall not return to me fruitless without accomplishing my purpose or succeeding in the task I gave it. You shall indeed go out with joy and be led forth in peace before the mountains and hills shall break into cries of joy and all the trees of the wild shall clap their hands. Pine trees shall shoot up in place of camel thorn, myrtles instead of briars. All this shall win the Lord a great name, imperishable, a sign for all time. This is John 4, verses 13 and 14. Jesus said, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water that I shall give him will never suffer thirst anymore. The water that I shall give him will be an inner spring, always welling up, for eternal life. Amen. There's a lot there, and we'll go into it in a while. But first, let us go to the Lord in prayer. Gracious God, rich in compassion and steadfast love, 
to all who are poor in spirit and hunger and thirst after you. We give you glory this morning and always, always going forward for the gift of your son, the servant, savior, and king of everything. And what he did in his first advent coming to provide salvation into life that is eternal, abundant, and full of meaning now. And also as we wait for and work towards his second advent or coming. Salah. First of all, please help us to be your church together and not just individuals doing our own thing. Please show us ways to get to know our neighbors by serving them in small groups or maybe even all of us together in the love of the Holy Spirit, showing them Jesus by our good works and telling of him in words given by his spirit as he promised. Please let us have your mind in your disposition to act because you are so much greater than us. And as we do your will together, please be glorified in us. We pray for the whole world, Father. It's come so close together with technology and media now. We pray for those who are persecuted in China and North Korea and Northern Africa and Russia. Father, we also pray for the people of Ukraine. We pray for a double move of the Holy Spirit. First, that your spirit would revive the worldwide church of Jesus. And then also to awaken all those who are still estranged from you with dead spirits. We pray for our nation. Please give all of your people both courage and grace to be your truth, always acting in your love. May we listen to know people's real hopes and fears and then answer with your perfect specific word and then back up your word with our Holy Spirit-enabled actions. And within our church family, we pray that, first of all, you would both be with and comfort all of those who are grieving over loved ones gone home to Jesus in the last year or so. And we think especially of our brother Ray. Be with those uh, dealing with and recovering from sickness and or stress. Please continue to be with Allie. Thank you that she's home and resting and please strengthen her. And thank you, her family is helping her to rest and recharge. And we continue to pray for Michael's niece, Kate, and her family. Father, we pray for Elan, Cindy and Jeff, Doris and her family. And we pray that all of those who serve in this church body will be strengthened in their service of you. And we think of uh, Sally and Jimmy and Charlie and Kurt and Peter and Linda. And we pray also for those who live far away and can't join us regularly. We think of Christine and Alan Carroll and Noel and Darren. And we know they also have other needs as well. And we pray that you would meet them. Father, we we pray for uh, Ken also. And um, we thank you for our full music team and for all of your provision for us now and into the new year. And Father, um, you know what we need even before we ask you and we thank you and praise you for that. So I just thank you so much that Jesus made provision when we don't know how to pray with a simple and powerful prayer that covers all the bases of life on this earth 
starting with your awesomeness. So with one heart and one voice, we pray the words that Jesus, our Savior, taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And oft times when I pray that prayer, and we have to realize it's a corporate prayer. It's not a me prayer. And when I pray that give us this day our daily bread, sometimes he will give the church as a whole everything we need to get through the day. But it's not always evenly distributed among all the members. So I add this little phrase and teach us how to share with one another as there are needs so that no one is lacking. Again, that's all about the community and the family of God, not just individuals. Well, um, let us now sing number 79, To God Be the Glory. And now, if you will uh, take your bulletin inserts again, 
We will uh, read responsibly from Isaiah 51 as we prepare to light the third Advent candle of light and joy. Listen to me, you who pursue righteousness, who seek the Lord, look to the rock from which you were hewn and to the quarry from which you were dug. Indeed, the Lord will comfort Zion. He will comfort all her waste places. And her wilderness he will make like Eden. And her desert like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness will be found in her. Thanksgiving and the sound of a melody. Pay attention to me, all my people. And give ear to me, all my nations. For a law will go forth from me, and I will set my justice for a light of the peoples. My righteousness is near. My salvation has gone forth. And my arms will judge the peoples. The coastlands will wait for me. And for my arm, they will wait expectantly. Lift up your eyes to the sky. Then look to the earth beneath, for the sky will vanish like smoke, and the earth will wear out like a garment, and its inhabitants will die in like manner, but my salvation shall be forever, and my righteousness shall not wane. Amen. Praise be to the awesome, awesome God. And now we'll see if I've got the hang of this lighter as we light three candles this week. First, hope fulfilled in Jesus. Second, peace. And now thirdly, light and joy as we thank God for the light of the world and all he did and we wait for his second coming. When God's son took on human flesh and was born of a woman, John tells us he came full of grace and truth. And it is this gift of grace through the Savior by which God is most glorified. Now, because Jesus came the first time, all may be saved by grace through faith and recreated in him, in Jesus Christ, into good works that God has ordained for them. Now, these last days, which go all the way from Pentecost until the second Advent or coming of the Messiah King Jesus Christ are a time of great opportunity. All who seek him during this time will experience his compassion and his forgiveness. Now, this truth about seeking and receiving both compassion and forgiveness was first revealed by God to Isaiah, which is actually Yeshia, saved of Yahweh. That's what his name means over 700 years before the Savior Yeshua was born in Bethlehem. And that summarizes our whole passage this morning. All who receive him Receive eternal life starting now. And may we never forget that. And that's the whole point. Not eternal life when we die. It's not something that will come later. Eternal life starts the moment we come to Jesus and belong to God through him. Okay. So another reason this is important is that Jesus said when he comes that second time and no one knows when it will be, he will separate the sheep 
from the goats. And these latter will go into eternal punishment, but the sheep into eternal life. So everything we do now matters. So now let's look closer at the richness of God's grace in the Messiah. And I don't know if you caught that while you were hearing the Isaiah passage. But this Isaiah passage I'm going to look at in two parts. I think it naturally divides this way. And the first part says, all who are hungry and thirsty are invited to eat and drink under God's covenant with David. And that's a special covenant, and we'll cover that in a few minutes. And to seek him for compassion and forgiveness. So first, the Holy One of Israel graciously gives food and drink through the glorified Messiah. Now let's go through it word for word, and and I'm dealing with the Hebrew, not the translation. So, hoy, each one thirsty, come to the waters. And he who has no silver coins, come, purchase grain and eat. Come, purchase grain with no silver and without price, wine and milk. Why do you all spend silver for not bread? In your labor for not satisfaction on vain things. Hearken intently to me and eat the good, and your soul will be delighted in fatness. That's what it says, word for word. Now, attention. Hoy has two meanings. In Hebrew, and it's translated differently. When spoken quietly and slowly, hoy, it's a lament. It's a mourning. But when spoken quickly and loudly, hoy, it says, wake up, attention. God has something so important. He's waking his people up to hear it. Okay, And the first truth is that the covenant God of Israel, Yahweh, he's full of grace, grace. He will give his people grain, bread, wine, milk, and require nothing material of them. He wants none of their silver pieces, their coins. Forget it, okay? But there's a paradox here, okay? Grace is not totally free. He tells them to purchase food and drink, not with silver pieces or coins, but they must intently heed, listen to, and obey his spoken words. And then he tells them after saying, listen intently. It's literally, you will listen to listen. If they hunger for God and his word. In other words, he says, eat the good. What is the good? The words that come out of God's mouth. Then they will be abundantly nourished. So if they hunger and thirst after God and his word, because he'll supply everything else, just as much as poor people, and Jesus said there'd always be poor people with us, just as much as they hunger for bread and water, he will give them the true bread of life that nourishes. God gives the bread of life to the thirsty poor. Will we come to him? in poverty of spirit. And be honest, we have a thirst for God that we need to have quenched. Then he continues with his word through Isaiah. All of you must incline your ear and come to me. Repetition. Hear and your soul will live. And I'll make to you all an everlasting covenant, steadfast love to David. I being faithful. Now, remember that covenant with David. David wanted to build a temple. Nathan said, sure, you're close with God. You're tight with him. Then God appeared to Nathan and said, no. But you must tell David, 
his son will build a temple and one of his descendants will be the eternal king, the Messiah forever. That's what this is all about. This is a messianic chapter, okay? And then he goes on to say, behold, I have made him a witness to the people, a leader and commander of the people. Behold, nations that thou will not know, thou will call, and nations that knew thee not will run to thee because of Yahweh thy God and the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified thee. And I'll tell you right here, this is where... Uh, devout Jews and Christians differ. Who is this individual? Who is this thou in thee? The rabbis will tell you it is the nation of Israel as a whole, and it's a promise to them. But we who know Messiah Jesus believe that the thee and thou there is Messiah Jesus. He's going to do all these things. And these verses speak of him as well as many other words that God had previously given through his prophets. He will rule all the nations, Psalm 2. And also in the servant prophecies, and again, there's a question as to who the servant is, but Jesus is called the light of the nations, twice, Isaiah 42 and 49. And when his mother Mary presented herself with him at the temple for her purification from childbirth on the 40th day after he was born, Simeon, meaning hearing, prophesied, Jesus is for the people of all nations. Messiah Jesus, the bread of life, as he proclaimed himself in John 6, is given to spiritually thirsty and poor nations. Think, when this was spoken, you had God's people, Israel, and then just everybody else was pretty much on the outs, impoverished spiritually, thirsty, hungering for truth. God gives the bread of life. Jesus to the thirsty poor. That takes care of the grace part. It begins on a strong grace note, but then we're told there's a command. Seek the covenant God in the time. The time to find him, and he will have compassion and forgive. So it says, all of you, must seek Yahweh in the time of his finding and call upon him in the time of his nearness. The wicked will forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and he will return to Yahweh. So here's the singular responsibility within God's people and all the people of the earth. During the time of the servant Messiah, all people must seek the three-in-one covenant God. During this season in which we may find him through Messiah and in this season to be near him by his spirit and even wicked and unrighteous people will have opportunity to come to the end of their ways and return to God. And then continuing, Yahweh will have compassion of these individuals who also return to our God because he will multiply forgiveness. So there's two things happening here. In his grace, the covenant God always has compassion toward all those who turn to him, especially notorious sinners. Okay, in his first advent, Jesus said he had come to call sinners to repentance. Three gospels quote him on this. And when sinners forsake their own ways and return to God, his compassion always leads to his forgiving 
all their sins, as many as they may have committed. That's the grace of God. That's his compassion and forgiveness on repentant sinners who acknowledge their need, their hunger, their thirst, their poverty of spirit. Second half has to do with the word of the covenant God succeeding to his delight. So creation breaks out in ringing singing. And then we have the word of Jesus. His living word gives living water of eternal life. So the rest of our Isaiah passage is summed up. The word of the covenant God expresses his higher thoughts and ways and how he succeeds in bringing joy that breaks into singing of all his creation. So continuing on through Isaiah, he says, for my thoughts are not thoughts of you all, nor are your ways my ways, says Yahweh. Because as the higher, as are higher, the heavens from earth, thus so are my ways from the ways of y'all and my thoughts from the thoughts of y'all. So we're talking about thoughts and ways here. And notice the vast difference between the thoughts and ways of the infinite creator God and the thoughts and ways of his finite human creatures. Higher, both his ways and thoughts are much higher than ours. As the heavens are over the earth. And this explains why God is gracious and does works of grace for people. But people can be graceless at times. Clumsy in our relationships clumsy in our service to God. Okay. Now, the same goes for God's compassion and his willingness to forgive sins. We don't always do a good job of that. God continues on, and this is big, and this is poetry, and this is a simile comparing things that are alike. He says, for as the rain and snow will come down from the heavens and return not there except that they have watered the earth and caused it to bring forth and sprout and have given seed to the one sowing and bread to the one eating. Thus will be my word, which will go forth from my mouth. So God starts by using the water cycle on which life itself depends. The water cycle is similar to his word. Now people know that food grows from the rain, watering planted seeds. But God is saying the precipitation watered um, seed that grows when that water hits it as it's planted, it is just as the word from his mouth. And so as the rain he gives provides, and and this blew me away. I knew the basic truth, but I never saw this in Isaiah before. I never saw it in this verse. But when the grain comes up, there's enough grain for people to make bread and eat and lay aside seed to continue the cycle on and on and on. And I just remembered this morning that my mother actually dried some kernels of corn from corn on the cob that we ate. I planted it in a little garden the next spring and got my own corn. It's kind of interesting. But the real important thing here is that um, even poor people who are thirsty and long for God, he 
gives through his word spiritual sustenance for now and also to plant and to multiply his kingdom. God gives the bread of life to those who are thirsty and poor. And then he uh, continues. He says, it, meaning my word, will not return to me empty, but it has already done that which I desired and has prospered, brought success for which I had sent it. Here's a very important truth, and I say this a lot on Christmas Eve. What God says, he does, always. To say it is to do it with God. All his words are as good as done, whether it happens sooner, later, or in a long time. And maybe the best example of in a long time is that Jesus defeated Satan on the cross more than 4,000 years after Yahweh spoke concerning Eve directly to the accuser when he said one of your descendants will crush him. And we are still waiting for his second coming to consummate everything some 2,000 years on. We're talking thousands of years. Now, when it comes to success, when God talking about success, people do not define success or or prosperity, okay? We tend to think of material things. Our ways are not God's ways. God defines success or prosperity by his word, by which he always does what he desires. It's not about what we want. What does God want? What is God's plan? With that foundation, with that said, he says, for in joy, you all will go out in peace and you all will be let forth. The mountains and the hills will break forth into ringing singing. That's the best way to translate this word of praise. Before you all and all the trees of the field will clap their hands People and creation. And Paul talks about this in Romans 8. Okay. But what's said here specifically is all creation from that which is inanimate, not alive, mountains and hills, to vegetation, plants, trees, in the field, in the wilderness, all the way up to people. All, all will have exuberant praise to God and be singing to God. And then... He closes with this, and this is like so powerful, so powerful. He says, instead of the thorn bush will come up the cypress. Instead of the briar will come up the myrtle, a tree. And this to Yahweh's name, an everlasting sign that will not be cut off. What's going on here? God's curse is reversed in this Messiah, okay? Yahweh had said to Abraham, going back to Genesis 3, I'm sorry, Adam, Adam, the first one. I always mix up A names. It's just some weird thing in my brain. God said to Adam, the ground would be cursed because of what he did, and it would produce thorns and thistles. And he said, so you will eat bread by the sweat of your brow. Okay? But right here, Yahweh is giving his word about 720 BC that through his servant Messiah, this curse will be broken. It will be reversed. And the end result will be God's name will be forever glorified. To God be the glory. Because of his son, the Savior, Jesus Christ, the kingly Messiah. And now let's just jump forward to John's gospel and these two sentences that Jesus said. Jesus says, his water eternally quenches thirst. And all to whom he gives his water will have eternal life. So... 
here's what the scripture says, literally. And Jesus, having answered, said to her, each one drinking of this water will thirst again. While he's talking to this woman from Samaria at the well that Jacob had dug in Sikhar, which means literally to drink. He had dug it 1,900 years before this event. And he's telling her natural water does not permanently quench thirst. But he goes on. But the one who may drink out of the water that I myself will give will in no way ever thirst into eternity. But the water that I give will be in that one, a well of water springing up into eternal life. Jesus's water, which is living water, just look up to verse 10, is unlike natural water. His living water will quench our spiritual thirst forever. And then Jesus describes the water of eternal life as a present tense thing. It is springing up and goes all the way into the future because it will be given and consummated at his return. People, let us realize that eternal life that Jesus gives is a present reality and it will last forever. Joy comes from the living water of eternal life through Jesus Christ. So the bottom line, people, is that God's grace is in the person of Jesus Christ. And by grace, God gives people faith in his faithful Savior Son. And as they receive the Holy Spirit, they also receive the fruit of the Holy Spirit, which includes joy, joy, Joy of all who have eternal life in Jesus. And it will be complete when he comes the second time. That's what we're looking forward to and working towards by the grace of God in the spirit. So let me wrap up the facts here and um, don't lose track of all the other details either. Because all who hunger and thirst are invited to freely eat and drink, not laboring for vain things. And they must hearken to God's covenant with David, fulfilled in Messiah Jesus, and live and call out to the nations. And they must seek him in the season that he's near, which is now between the two comings. And he will have compassion and he will forgive people The word of the covenant God is high and always succeeds, resulting in praise from all creation to God's glory. And finally, Jesus says, all to whom he gives living water are alive, truly alive with a life that is abundant and has meaning now and forever. You see, God gives the bread of life, Jesus, to those who are thirsty and poor. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Theirs is the kingdom of God. And now let's close with uh, our final song, number 400, Be Thou My Vision.
And uh, the benediction, the good word, comes from the Apostle Paul in the letter he wrote to the churches in Corinth. But when this perishable will have put on the imperishable, and this mortal will have put on immortality, then will come about the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved Brothers and sisters, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. That's life, to be totally hidden in and consumed in Jesus Christ, with him living through us. Let it be. And let's close with this chorus. Rejoice in the Lord, number 113. Can I say? 